On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, as we head into week five, we are joined by the Hall of Fame quarterback, the ESPN analyst, Steve Young, who breaks down the greatness of the New England Patriots and Tua Tungavailoa. And we'll be joined by the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, who's got some interesting stats regarding the backup quarterback craze that has taken hold in the NFL, as well as all the success that Aaron Rodgers has enjoyed at Jerry's World in Dallas, where he'll be playing again this week. But first up, my friend, my colleague, Steve Young. We are a quarter of the way through the season at this point, and a very broad, open-ended, ambiguous question, what has stood out to you about the first quarter of the season? You know, I always say, Adam, that uh, the way the NFL is constructed today with uh, the lack of time from players and coaches together in the offseason and, the, and their, their unwillingness to play in the preseason, that the four, first four games of the NFL season are the preseason. So I try to – this is the perfect time to kind of take a peek into teams and say who they really are rather than the first or second games. Like by four games, you're like, okay, we've we got a really good sense of, where, you know, how teams are starting the shocking uh, – a piece of the puzzle in my mind is that the Patriots just cannot do anything but look like champions. I don't know. It's like a machine and we've taken it so much for granted that we just, it's just, it's just there like uh, a commodity. Like, Oh yeah, of course the, the Patriots and Tom Brady continue to just dominate. And then, then, you know, they got a tough game last week and they ended up winning it like they like almost always do. So, you know, and then the Patrick Mahomes can continue. They thought about a sophomore slump and, and uh, you know, this, coming back the second year and what's going to happen. And he's as dynamic as he's ever been. And so those, those are the two big stories. And, and that's why they dominate the AFC landscape. There's no one else even close because uh, the two teams that you thought would slip or somehow shown some chinks in the armor that, uh, that, that, that four games in, I've said it after two games, it's a wrap in the AFC. And I think that's probably the big story. There's a bunch of stuff in the NFC to talk about. And then I think the other big story was just the willingness of players to put their neck out there like Jalen Ramsey and say, I don't want to be here, and, and risk their careers to make sure that they have some mobility. I just find that very fascinating. Oh, we're going to get to that, but does this Patriot team, this organization, remind you in any way of some of the 49ers teams that you played for? Even five years in, in 2005 or six, I go, they really, you know, we, we were way ahead of the game. In some of the things that were, you know, as far as, you know, from an offensive perspective, from how we traveled, how we, how we ate, how we, you know, things that had never been thought of before, we were just ahead of the game a couple of generations. And I think the Patriots saw, you know, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft saw free agency, saw a tremendous opportunity through free agency to lean in and don't let free agency run you over in the late 90s as it got the full flowering of it, that they were going to, Look, we know that the, transi- the teams are going to transition 30, 35, 40% a year. And if we can figure out how to do that and hold a culture, hold a uh, intellectual rigor, and hold people accountable so that it's, you know, because things are going to slip away. Because football, I've always said football is a, a glorified dance step. The more times that you practice the dance step, the better you get. And so if you break the huddle 10,000 times together, you're going to be much better than if you break it 1,000 times together. So, um, in that way, the Patriots very much looked like they took the landscape in 2000 yeah. and said, where, where can we be great? How can we be ahead of the game? And they've done exactly that and continued it. And in some ways, their, their advantage, I don't know that the people will catch up. I mean, in the way that they teach, the way that they, the, you know, the intellectual rigor that they put players through, 
the expectations and how quiet they are about it. No one really knows. They're like, well, who are, why are they, why are they so good? And no one can understand it. It's actually very fundamental, but there's no team that everyone else has capitulated to it, Adam. They all like, oh, we're transitioning every year. It's free agency. We don't get to spend any time with them. I'll, t- I'll teach you a couple of concepts and then we'll go play some ball. And uh, that's why they get beat. Well, you know, Steve, there are other in the AFCs. They're busy changing coaches, changing quarterbacks, changing general Every managers. Time. And yeah. this organization just keeps going on and on. Same owner, same quarterback, same head coach, same coaching <laughs> staff, and it's a huge advantage. Not to mention the fact that you got the greatest coach of all time and you got the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, not only that, but again, underneath it, I, I, I always tell the Randy Moss story when he he said that he joined the. Patriots, he goes out and runs the wrong route, and Tom yells at him, tells him to go in and study. So he goes in and study, like fake, you know, and kind of opens the book and kind of thumbs through it and goes back out and makes another mistake. Bill Belichick, you know, stops practice and tells him, look, either, you know, you're out. Like, don't come back until this stuff is memorized. And he's like, oh, crap, I got to go memorize all this stuff. I, you know, and so Randy went and memorized it all, and, and, uh, and that's what the expectations are culturally from that team. They, they draft people who, and can handle the intellectual rigor. In other words, every week, this what's today, Tuesday, game plans are being put together, and around the league, uh, offensively, they'll have three new concepts. And uh, they'll teach them on Wednesday, and by Friday they'll have them down, and the Patriots are teaching 15 new concepts. And then they demand the players to go home and study, turn the TV off, don't go out, and don't come back Thursday unless you have it memorized. And if you come back and you don't have it memorized – and you're not ready to perform it on Thursday, we will sit you down, and if you do it two weeks in a row, we'll throw you out. Hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I do that for 20 years? You just have an, you just have an advantage for how you, just how you prepare for games. And people go, oh, we got a couple wrinkles for at halftime. They don't have a couple wrinkles at halftime. They have, a couple, they have 15 wrinkles ready from Wednesday. <laughs> and and no, one, no one does that. No, one, no one's got uh, – you know, there's some that are trying, uh, Eagles – uh, Chiefs, uh, Rams, uh, Seahawks. I mean, there's a number of teams that are trying to develop this intellectual rigor, but it's hard because players, they just want to go play. Huh. Like, you know, who wants to study? Adam, did you ever, oh, I can't wait to go to school. Can you just have more school? <laughs> Can we have more time yeah. in the uh, in the in this classroom? Because I really love that. Nobody does. And so, you know, that's why they've, they've in the, and the league continues to go more like college, and it just gets worse and worse. And the different, I think that the the distance between the Patriots and the rest of the league is greater today than it was ever has it ever been. And that's amazing to me. And, well, that comes back to what you're talking about here, right, with the consistency, the stability. Yep. Right? That's that's the yep. advantage, and that's well, why no they question. pulled ahead. But I, but I do believe if, if Bill Belichick left and Tom Brady left, I mean, that would be a huge problem. If they could, but, well. but, they, but if they hold this intellectual rigor that they have and this culture that they have, There'll be a tail on this even after they leave. There'll be a tail that if if they get great players again, they can keep it going. But well, if they, if they don't, they, they'll if they can just keep that what you know what what what's made the Patriots special. That's not going to just disappear. Well, let's go there for a second because you saw that happen. Joe leaves, you leave in San Francisco. Jerry leaves, and I guess it still goes on a little bit. But they were never the same ever again. And well, so, you got to remember, yeah. there was a significant difference in 1999 when Eddie gave the team to his sister Denise and John, and they ran the team, and they just saw it differently. And uh, and that's that, 
that's a that's the point of demarcation rather than Jerry leaving, me leaving, Joe leaving. That, that's the demarcation for the 49ers okay. and just taking a different philosophy. Okay, different now I think that that's why the 49ers, I would make the argument that they're now back fully you know, engaged with the past uh, with this last regime. And I think that's, you know, I, I'd make the case that the 49ers are, are more like who we were today than through those first 10 years. Well, but here's the question I have, and I don't think anybody's talking about it. As great as the Patriots are, as much as we admire them and respect them, I don't know that we sometimes appreciate them as much when we may be in the last days of the dynasty. We don't know how much longer Tom's going to do this for. I know he keeps talking about wanting to play, but if we're just looking at this objectively, Steve, there's a reason that he has his contract voiding after this year. There's Uh a reason that when you look at it, basically, he's not signing an extension that goes beyond that. Um, there's a reason he put his house for sale in the Boston area. We have no idea how much longer Bill Belichick is going to be coaching there, what his plans are. So how much longer do you expect this greatness to continue? I guess really what I'm saying is how much longer do you think Tom's going to stay there or Bill's going to stay there? I, I, I think Tom, the game has come to Tom in many ways. For It's come, it's funny. The game has come to older quarterbacks and to younger quarterbacks. Because as it's gotten more safe, and it's and they can't patrol the middle of the field where great quarterbacks, you know, live, and the younger quarterbacks can't play the middle of the field. It's it's more open. That you know, I'm not getting hit as much, and the middle of the field's open more than ever before. I can play 42. I can keep this going. The games, like the games, helped that keep going. So I think at some point, Tom is either going to recognize that I'm actually looking for a new challenge, something that you know, new to do, or I, I kind of age out. I. I remember at 38, I was in the you know in the locker rooms, and I just felt odd. It just you know, guys are 15 years, almost 20 years younger than you, yep. and you just feel odd, and you feel and and then and you look around, and the coach is screaming something dumb that's just like I'm not falling for that anymore, and you just kind of like you age out. I've just always admired Tom that he's hung in there at 42, and he has to feel like such an oddity, but he's obviously driven, and I t- I was always driven. I really appreciate that, but I think the game has come to allow players to play longer and also younger quarterbacks to have success earlier because it's more wide open. We'll be back with more from Steve Young in a moment, but first a word from ButcherBox. After hearing me talk about ButcherBox for months, if you haven't taken advantage of their amazing offers, you need to listen up. Every month, ButcherBox delivers humanely raised 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to your door. Choose from four curated boxes or customize your own box with all of your favorite cuts. And with free shipping, ButcherBox makes getting high-quality meat with no added hormones or antibiotics easier than ever. ButcherBox has a ton of awesome recipes and resources on its website that will help you bring out all the flavor of each cut of meat you get from ButcherBox. And this month, ButcherBox is offering new members $20 off your first box plus free ground beef for the life of your subscription when you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. That's right. In addition to all the great meat you get, ButcherBox is knocking $20 off your first box and throwing in two pounds of free ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription when you sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. These younger quarterbacks that we're seeing now kind of surprises you, right? Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, Daniel Jones 
in New York, Kyle Allen in Carolina. Those are three of the storylines of the first quarter of the season that I don't think anybody would have expected. Why are these young guys able to step in and make the impact they have, Steve? Adam, when I, was, when I came to the pros, uh, people say, what's the difference? And I would say, well, in college, everybody's open. In the pros, nobody's open. Hmm. Now, I might be an overstatement, but not by much. I mean, it was just brutal. I mean, having some time to throw, having somebody come open. I mean, I was like, there's somebody flash because there doesn't look like there's anybody open. I would say that today, it'd be again, in college, I think people are still wide open. And I think in the pros, more guys are open than ever before. Yards are cheap, especially some of these more prolific offenses. And not they're cheaper. They're not cheap. It's just cheaper than – and I'm not saying, oh, in the old days. I'm just saying the facts on the ground. The game's been trying to be made safer. The rules have been different. And it's just better for offense. And it's, and it's become less fair for defense. And so younger players – and then remember, coaches can't spend time with players in the offseason. We used yep. to spend the whole offseason – together running plays going through now it's like a special moment when they all get together at someone's house you know sometime in april or may or june they got two little uh preseason things and they uh then they, and then they have a short training camp and they don't even play in training camp like it's all feeding to more college-like s- systems that allow younger players to f- like there's a lot of these guys that are great in college there's very few that are great in the pros you couldn't find 10 really great quarterbacks in the old days and now you, I think the league is super happy because maybe they'll find 30 with the way that the game is going that it's better, it's better for young quarterbacks, again, and for older quarterbacks to stay longer because of the way it's, it's breaking. Is there any one of these young quarterbacks in this game today, aside from Patrick Mahomes, Steve, aside from Patrick Mahomes, because he's in a league by himself that yeah. stands out to you? <laughs> well, yeah, I think they all have – I mean, there's a lot of guys, even the great Gardner Minshew, you, know, like, you get a feeling – that the game has come to a point where, where, where we might have to call someone a journeyman before, mm-hmm. I think they can actually thrive. I think that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. the ceilings have been raised for, in a way for everybody, and especially for the, for the greats, because now they can extend even further, play longer. But the ceiling's gone. Everyone's ceiling has raised from, let's say a guy had a six, I'm going to go with the analogy, he had a six-foot ceiling, and that was it. That's what I said. Now it's ten. You know, and it was it used to be six, and now it's ten. And you, I think you, that's you know, you know what's funny about that? You know what's funny about that? I'll, to make a parallel comparison, a lot of times I'll go meet with young journalists. I, when I was going to school in Michigan, I worked the Michigan Daily. I'll go back there. I'll talk to the school, and these kids show me their clippings, and I'm thinking to myself, "This is so far. This is so far beyond anything that I ever did when I was in college." The, yeah, the right. kids are today are so good, right. so much better than I was. Right, and I think that's what happens in generation to generation as well. People see what happened before, and then they build on it. And they want to, and I've seen what Tom Brady's done. It's like, I want to, that's now the standard, and I want to do that. I want to do what Peyton did. I want to do what Aaron's doing. I want to do what Drew's doing. And so everybody builds off of it. So I think there's also just a sense that, you know, you get trained earlier in a pro game, and that helps as well. And so I think that you make a good point that I, I probably should put more weight into, not just the rule changes and the CBA that makes players and coaches less familiar but there's also an expertise that comes at a younger age because people are now watching uh, earlier, trained earlier, uh, you know, uh, uh, core strengthening, uh, um, you know, all, all, all the things that go with you know, nutrition and everything else. Tom uh, Brady's pliability. I'm sure there's a 10-year-old out there following Tom Brady's pliability so he can go pro, you know, and that will have its effect when he gets to be 18 or 20. How pliable are you, Steve? 
I'm, I'm remaining very pliable. <laughs> as you, I'm remaining. I'm, I'm a believer in the, the in the pliability because uh, as you get older, man, it, the, things try to close down. You know, it's like you everything tries to you know like get stiff and tougher, and so you know, I I work. I actually work harder today than maybe ever just because uh, you know, I don't want to. You know, <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I was going to say, the schedule you're leading doesn't exactly lend itself to pliability, Steve. When you're flying cross-country every week to do Monday Night Football, Monday Night Countdown, that really doesn't work out all that well to be pliable. Sure it does. You can Pliability is mobile. Come on, Adam. You've got to have <laughs> discipline, you know? you know? In the hotel room and, uh, you know, in the, on set, you know, in between, you know, you see me stretching. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing footballs to the receivers in pregame warm-ups, doing everything you can to beat your best all the time. Steve, all the time. Speaking of young quarterbacks, there's a young left-handed quarterback at Alabama, Tua Tungavailoa, who has thrown 23 touchdown passes this year without an interception. If we go back to last year, he threw 24 touchdowns before he threw his first interception of the season in November against LSU. There has not been a left-handed quarterback in the NFL that has dominated since you played. There has not been a left-hander that has thrown a touchdown pass since Des Bryant did it. He was the last left-hander to do that. What has stood out to you about Tua? From the moment he stepped on the field, you recall it was like dramatic. I mean, some of the most dramatic stuff I've ever seen when he showed up in that game and and, and he just putting balls so that it's like throwing people open. It's There's just a natural... You know, I have a lot of parents that will come to me and say, "Hey, can you you know work with my son and just watch him throw?" And and you know, say, he wants to play pro ball, and I so I watch him throw, and they say, "What do you think?" I go, "Well, I think he might better at receiver." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, "Oh, uh, that's not what we wanted to hear." <laughs> but there's a there is natural ability. We can develop it around, around the edges. Accuracy is natural. Having the 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 three dimensional chest in your head to throw people open, it's you can learn it on the edges, but it can't, it's got to be fundamental. And so Tua just, he just seems like somebody that has that intuition around and then has the physical ability to do it. There's two things, right? Mm -hmm. Having a sense of what to do and then actually have the ability to do it. And those rarely come together. And so I just, I, I, and obviously he's got some mobility and, uh, uh, and he's a lefty. I mean, there's, I mean, Adam, we need to do some kind of a a research project or, you know, inquiry into left-handed quarterbacks. Like, where are they? Why are they not being offered opportunity? Is there really, you know, that few? I mean, it's it's crazy to me. We talked about it last night on the show. Yeah. I mean, this week on the show that uh, uh, there's only there's there's no one now. There hasn't been for three or four years, and uh, Tua's going to break that next year when he comes on the scene. But uh, and he'll play for a long time. So there'll be a lefty for a good generation or two now. Luckily, but I don't know if there'll be more than one. That's the problem. What advice would you give to him, and have you had the chance to speak to him at all? Has he sought you out? Have you sought him out? Has there been any well, contact we, between the two of you? We, when he broke in his freshman year, uh, we had some uh, texts back and forth, and that's what I do. I Look, it's hard to engage someone from afar, and uh, and I just wanted to tell him how much I appreciated Lefty doing it and, uh, and, and you know, how he moves around. He's... He's my tribe, right? Guys that can move around and yeah. can really throw it, and uh, and I appreciate that. That's a rare commodity, and and uh, so if he, the, the truth is, if Tua ever had a sense that he wanted to, uh, you know, the the the, the we pay, we paved the road to have communication in the future. I look forward to it if it happens. Does any part of his game remind you of yours? I mean, again, aside 100%. from the fact- oh yes, oh yeah, yeah. yes, 
size-wise, uh, mobility-wise, uh, how he throws the football. I just, I mean, honestly, it really feels familiar when I see him play. And he's ticketed for Miami or Cincinnati, it looks like, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know how, do you, I don't know how you get out of that. Um, uh, and, you know, player mobility, uh, Eli Manning didn't want to go to San Diego. So, um, you know, it's it's happened before. You know, people have tried to, but it's it's tough. I sometimes you just want to take the challenge and move on. But uh, yeah, it looks like that's the case. Yeah, and, Steve. Uh, we, this, no, no one, you could not pass him up. There's no way with that it, with a sense of intuition that he has about the game. I, I just I don't know how you pass it up. So he's going number one in your mind. Uh, look, you're a better, better expert than that and, than me. Than you're talking about as a, uh, overall or the first quarterback. First overall I mean, pick. I, well, the, the quarterback's yeah, going I, one. I, it's a quarterback league. And there's some good players. Kid Oregon's a good player. I watched him the other day at Stanford. I got my Justin season tickets Herbert. one and saw him. I really liked him. Uh, but, you know, there's two or three guys that, you know, when they, when they really study it out, but just the high-end charisma that you have to have, the ability to handle the press and, and deal with a team and, and be a psychologist and all the things and in, in the maturity level that it takes. Um, I don't know. Two, it just seems like, you know, you'd be nuts to pass them up. And, uh, By the way, Steve, one. December 22nd, Miami at Cincinnati. <laughs> I, you know, I, I when I was in Tampa, the first four years I played, we were one in fourteen, and we went to St. Louis to play the Cardinals, who were one in fourteen, and whoever lost got the first pick. So I've experienced that 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 experience when Vicekahema, my old teammate at BYU, returned. I want to tell you, I want to say returned five uh, punts for. I, I'm exaggerating, but it was at least three punts for touchdowns because our guys just wouldn't. It was like, uh, wow. we're done. We're done with this. Well, that December twenty second game could that could be the Tua Bowl. That could be it. Tua Bowl. That's awesome. The toilet bowl that becomes the Tua Bowl, basically, is what that turns mm-hmm. into. And before I let you go, we have the 49ers on Monday night. I just want to get your general thoughts on that team, being that they're unbeaten right now. They're getting better. I don't think anybody feels like you know they're they're there and they appreciate. Look, the preseason's over and they're three zero. That's tremendous. That's that's all you could ask for. Um, uh, and just like the Patriots. The teams that they played until the Bills last week were, you know, one and nine or one and eight, and uh, and so, you know, you got a lot to prove to yourself here. But they're in a good spot, and they are getting better. Their defense, the places where you want to be strong in today's game, you want to be a defensive front that can get to the quarterback. You want a corner that can kind of shut it down, which they they got to figure out. Jalen Ramsey, uh, uh, we'll see if they can play in that in that. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you call that anymore. It's like, Showdown, the circus, the circus. Yeah. Uh, but then, and then you know, if Jimmy continues to develop. That's the number one key. He's certainly going to be a pretty good player, and if he's great, uh, the 49ers are going to be set because I have a lot. Like 2011, when they kind of came out of the wilderness and had so many pieces just fall together, I feel like this team could could be that way if Jimmy's if Jimmy's above, you know well above average, which you know right now looks like it's trending that way. And we talked about it on Monday night. The NFC is wide open enough, whereas the AFC isn't. But the NFC, who knows who's going to emerge from there. Completely wide open. It's yeah. fun to think about. But the AFC is closed, by the way. Done. Wrap it. <laughs> I, I will continue to say until proven wrong. Uh, there's nothing nothing, nothing to see in the AFC until January. Well, by the yeah. way, when we talk about that Miami-Cincinnati game, Steve, right? The other game that we have? December 8th, New England uh, hosting Kansas City. December 8th. That's a great one. That's a great one. So that... that, that 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 one might have home field advantage. That might have all kinds of implications. Um, yeah. You know, you can only imagine. 
Well, Steve, I appreciate taking the time to join the podcast. Uh, I look forward to coming to your turf this week. Home game for you. I'll expect you to be more pliable and hospitable than ever before. <laughs> pliable. I'll work on it. Out of way, Adam. <laughs> Thank you, man. Steve. I appreciate you. Yeah. All right, bro. Cap hit. All right, we now turn to the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. And Evan, when we look at this, September, which we're now past, was a month to remember for backup quarterbacks. The backup quarterbacks, defined as the quarterbacks who didn't start season openers, have a combined 9-6 and six record, the most wins by backups uh, since September of 2008. And last week, in week four, they were 5-1, and one, the most wins by backup quarterbacks in a week since September of 1998. So what do you notice about these teams that are starting two quarterbacks turning it around? Yeah, look, Adam, those numbers say it all. It's really been impressive what these quarterbacks who didn't start in week one and then have come in and, and do for these teams. And the interesting part when I was kind of digging a little deeper in the numbers show that all these so these seven teams who have started multiple quarterbacks, we'll go through them quickly, Panthers, Jaguars, Giants, Saints, Steelers, Dolphins, Jets. Mm-hmm. You take those seven teams combined, they were 1-11. and 11 with the quarterback who started in week one this year, one and 11. And now there have been nine and six since these other quarterbacks have come in. Look, you take opponents into account, but it's interesting. Cam Newton was 0 2. Kyle Allen, 2 and 0. Eli Manning was 0 and 2. Daniel Jones is 2 and 0. The Steelers got their first win on Monday night with Mason Rudolph. So when you contrast it like that, it's interesting that these quarterbacks who did not start the season, whether they've come in for injury or for performance, they have kind of righted the ship with a lot of these teams. And, you know, Evan, of all those quarterbacks, some of them have supplanted guys like Daniel Jones is the guy in New York now. Yeah. But there are a couple of scenarios there that you raised that I find very interesting, like Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. in Jacksonville, like yep. Kyle Allen in Carolina. Kyle Allen hasn't lost a start yet. Nope. Gardner Minshew seems to have provided a spark. Now, the Super Bowl MVP is going to return at some point in November. But can the Jaguars bench Minshew if they're playing like this and winning like this? I don't think they can even uh, for a Super Bowl MVP. I agree with you. And it seems like he's brought some, uh, I think, some kind of energy to that team and certainly to the offense. And, and, and the two of them play each other this week. And that, and in a, in a slate in week five that, uh, not a ton of marquee matchups maybe <laughs> on the surface. One of the best, I think, is Jaguars at the Panthers when you have these two unheralded quarterbacks at the beginning of the season now matching up uh, in Carolina. It's a great storyline for the season. And again, I'll just say this. If Nick Foles were ready to return today, today, mm-hmm. would Jacksonville start him or Nick Foles against Carolina on that, Sunday? That is a tremendous question. I, I Look, I, I'd, I think they I, have to I, I think you stick with Minshew, right? Right yeah. now? Yeah, absolutely. Now listen, there's going to be more starts and more of a body of work and mm-hmm. Jacksonville will have a decision to make but I don't know how you go away from Minshew right now I just don't see that no, right look, now no and and look the, the Thursday night game at home uh was an impressive win but what what he did in Denver on Sunday I think showed a lot of people that that he may have some staying power in this league that to to lead the Jaguars back on the road look say we want about the Broncos that's still a tough place to play and he was able to come out with a win and I take it uh, that you're not just referring to him being the jockstrap king in Denver, right? You're no. talking about his play, right? No, no, no. We had uh, we had that interesting, that great <laughs> feature on Uncle Rico and yep. all the stuff. On, uh, but no, he's look, he he's played well, and and I'd be interested. I'll be interested to see how he goes uh, 
How he plays against Kyle Allen on, on Sunday. We'll be back with more from Evan Kaplan, but first a word about ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Kathy Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I think the marquee matchup of this week is Packers. Cowboys, give me an idea of what Aaron Rodgers' history at Jerry's World has been. Yeah, it's really interesting. So you look at at Rodgers at AT AT&T Stadium, the Cowboys' home stadium. It started his only Super Bowl win was at that stadium, Super Bowl forty five against the Steelers. He was a Super Bowl MVP. And then in two other starts against the Cowboys, one in the playoffs, one in the regular season, he's won them both. He's never lost there. Three and zero, eight touchdowns, one interception. And you talk about his recent matchups uh, against the Cowboys, and they've been really memorable games. You look back to the 2016 divisional round, which was Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott's first playoff game. That was a back-and-forth game. There were a bunch of late field goals, late 50-plus-yard field goals from Mason Crosby, uh, I believe Dan Bailey at the time. And then in 2017, they went there, and the Packers, he, he threw a late touchdown for, to help Green Bay win. And now, look, you've got two teams that are both coming off losses. Yep. And the while the focus is always on the offensive side, the defenses have, have shown that uh, that they're going to have something to say about how far these teams go. And that'll be a big matchup on Sunday, one of two late games in the 4 o'clock window Eastern. So we'll see how Aaron Rodgers fares once again in Jerry's world. All right, Patrick Mahomes coming off a game in which he didn't throw a touchdown pass. I believe that's the third time in like 18 starts, something like that, that it hasn't happened. And he's back in prime time Sunday night at home against the Colts. What do we make of that matchup? Well, look, we'll start with what you said about not having a touchdown. That was only the fourth time in his entire career, including the playoffs, that he didn't have a touchdown that was last week against the Lions. One of the other games was in that divisional playoff win against the Colts last year, who they'll be playing... Uh, this Sunday night, and and look, he his performance in prime time last season was he did about all he could do. Uh, he threw twenty touchdown passes in prime time games. That was the most in any single season in NFL history. But interestingly enough, the Chiefs were only two and four in those games. Now, it, it'd be hard to blame Mahomes. The Patriots' loss in New England, the Rams' loss, and the craziest Monday night game any of us have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, his performance was there. But now. He goes back home, their first primetime game of the year. And I think the the obvious question in the AFC, Adam, is you've got the Patriots yep. and the Chiefs yep. at 4-0. And, On a collision course, seemingly. And and who is going to kind of step up and, and be that, that third or fourth team in the conference? Well, you know, Evan, they are scheduled to play 
later this year, mm-hmm. Kansas City and New England are. If if you want to get your calendars out and circle this date, December eighth, Foxborough, yep, four twenty five Eastern. Mm-hmm. Right now, it is the Chiefs at the Patriots, and I don't know that it's too late to say that that game might be the game that decides home field advantage in the AFC. And we'll see how that shakes out. We have on Sunday as well a Ravens-Steelers matchup that, in a way, I think is these two teams turning the page. No Joe Flacco for the Ravens. No Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers. What's this matchup? What stands out about this matchup to you? Yeah, this has been one of the best, if not the most fierce rivalry in the NFL over the last 10, 15 years. If you go back to... 2007, they've split their last 24 regular season games. In those 24 games, the two teams are separated by six total points. That's how close this rivalry has been. And this will be the first time that they'll play without either Joe Flacco or Ben Roethlisberger starting since Week 17 of that 2007 season. And in that game, Troy Smith started for the Ravens, Charlie Batch for the Steelers. And you look at this division, which became more interesting in Week 4, um, You've got the Browns who went into Baltimore and won. Now the Steelers is one game back at one and three. And I think we're going to see kind of how this shakes out. But look, Steelers going to win at home. All of a sudden they go from 0 and three. And now they're two and three right back in the thick of things in the AFC North. You know, somebody in Pittsburgh said this to me when I was there on Sunday night talking to one of the Steelers officials. And they said, Hey, if we win Monday night Mm -hmm. and we win Sunday against Baltimore, we're in first place in the AFC North. Yeah. And they started 0-3, and they could go from 0-3 to first place yep. in the span of basically seven days. And look, the the one thing that we always know about the NFL, we all overreact to everything. And I'm not saying that the Ravens aren't a good team, and they might still be. They're the defending AFC North champs, and they might be the class of that division. But let's look back at who they've beaten. They beat the Dolphins, and they beat the Cardinals. And now they've played the Chiefs and the Browns. They played the Chiefs close, but they've lost both those games. So... The point I'm making is I don't think we really know who this Ravens team really is yet. Mm-hmm. And you can say that about a lot of teams around the league. And they're coming off a bad loss at home against the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. who actually are in first place as we <laughs> record this. Yep. All right. And maybe one of the more interesting storylines of Week 5 is the Oakland Raiders playing the Chicago Bears in London. Mm-hmm. The Raiders will be without Vontaze Perfect, who's suspended for the season. And the Raiders also will be without Cleo Mack, who was <laughs> yeah. traded last season to the Chicago Bears. Now, Evan, if you remember at that particular point in time, John Gruden couldn't even get to speak to Cleo Mack. He wouldn't return any of his calls. Right. They never got to speak. In fact, I think they spoke once when he got the head coaching job, and then never again. Cleo Mack would not return Gruden's multiple phone calls. Yeah. Well, on Sunday, they're going to have a chance to talk. And John Gruden's going to get a look at the guy that he traded to Chicago. What stands out to you about this matchup? Well, look, Max already talked about how much to the media, not to John, not to John Gruden, about how much he's looking forward to this matchup. And you look at Khalil Max's production since he arrived with the Bears, where he had an All-Pro season last year and has been All-World this year. Khalil Mack has 10 forced fumbles in the last two seasons. Mm. The Raiders as a team have eight forced fumbles in the last two seasons. Khalil Mack has 17 sacks in the last two seasons. The Raiders have 18 sacks as a team in the last two seasons. So you're talking about a player who by himself 
has surpassed the Raiders' total in terms of forced fumbles, where Mack has been the best in the league at that over the last few seasons. And then you look at sacks, Khalil Mack only one fewer than the entire Raiders team. He has been impossible to block this season. And look, I'd be hard-pressed to see him not getting after Derek Carr on Sunday in London. That's going to be unbelievable. I think John Gruden's going to regret trading Khalil Mack even more when he gets to see him up close and finally get a chance to talk to the player that he traded away. Evan, thanks very much for the time and the insights into the Week 5 matchup. Should be another interesting week, and we'll talk again next week. Looking forward to it, Adam. That was ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. Special thanks to him, and special thanks to my Monday night colleague, my friend and the great NFL quarterbacking legend, Steve Young. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Be sure to check out the Bill Barnwell Show podcast this week. He talks with Browns reporter Jake Trotter after Cleveland's statement win against Baltimore. Remember to subscribe to the Bill Barnwell Show podcast and the Adam Schefter podcast wherever you get your podcast.